Yo. Yo, yo. Good day, sir. That didn't sound right. Yo! That was better. Yo, yo, yo! Yo, yo! Daniel, you, are you confused still? Do you, are you finally oriented? You know, you know why we're here. I'm starting to accept, you know, my, my lot in life right now to be confined here on multiple days. Uh, but, you know, at least I'm here with y'all. Just, you know, talk, talk some shop. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's go ahead and get it. We are back in the middle of your week to infect your eardrums with some more sports knowledge. Hi, man. By the way, welcome. It's a midweek take. I'm you your man, Dr. Lewis. Not the third. Third, baby. I, I sometimes pray at night that Daniel will at least get it right in the middle of the week, but he never does. Uh, speaking of him, I am here with my main man, Daniel Davis. I'm a, I'm a mob shot now. You're my main man. Yes, sir. Good to be here. Let's get it. And then, of course, the uh, Mr. Radio himself, Thespian Poppy, Terrell Huff, is here in the middle of the week with us. How, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, sir. You know what I say. Support the arts. Because oh, I, we are the arts. <laughs> I thought, I thought he <laughs> You should have been like, you know what I say? And just set your silence. <laughs> you know Come on. Y'all know who it is. that shit. <laughs> I was gonna be, I was gonna be like, well, we do know what you say, but I, I still think we need you to say it for any listeners <laughs> who might have joined us. Anyway, he, he didn't eventually say it. This is the show where I am your everlasting host, and uh, technically on the other show, I also just host every week now. But everlasting host, flip a coin on the other show. Double up, I don't know. I don't Earn know. that paycheck, baby. I got a lot of, I got a lot of hosting duties now. Uh, you know. Maybe one day it'll let me host Trey Blanco's uh, podcast and girl. No, I'm just kidding. That would be weird. <laughs> it's like, hey, welcome <laughs> to Trey Blanco's podcast and girl. Never. I'm Never. The it was like, where's Trey Blanco? <laughs> um, so you know what we do in the middle of the week. We come back at you with a, a special topic or maybe a mailbag segment where we listen to you, the people. Uh, this week it is uh, it is you, the people. Y'all run the show, and so we got another mailbag. You know who runs my mailbag segment? It is my main man. Daniel Davidson, he's he's re- he's licking his chops. He's ready to feed. Go ahead, D. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I always say, this segment I hold near and dear to my heart called Itch of the Street because we get a few questions in from you, the listeners, and you know we love you so very much. So let's go ahead and get it rolling for today. So, fellas, we start off with a bit, bit of basketball for today. So let's see what we have on the docket here. This first uh, question comes in from Mad for Brad. Mad for Brad writes, Dear Weekend to Take, I recently took a gander at the All-NBA team, and I am upset, to say the least. Can you explain how Russell Westbrook can make the team, but Brad can even sniff it? Toodles. Thank you, Toodles. Mad for Brad. I, I, feel like, I feel like Mad for Brad might have a bit of a bias. He's not even kind of holding it back there. You know, he's mad for Brad. I, is it Brad Stevens? Is it Bradley Beal? Who is it? I don't know. There are a lot of Brads in this world, Derek, so I mean, I wouldn't... It, is, I'm gonna ski you either way. Maybe it's Brad Miller. Brad Pitt. I would think lots of like Brad Pitt. Uh, well, I like Brad Pitt. That's true. Uh, to his specific question, I just want to point out that I believe that Daniel Davidson is masquerading around as Bradley Bill's wife because that man received an all-world plaque, and I just can't believe that. I, I have to believe that was Daniel Davidson's doing. That's up, Daniel. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Come on, man. Look, y'all know what it is, man. I've been saying it from day one. Brad Bill out here dropping 30 points a game. Give the man his money, man. Give the man his due. Give the man his accolades. And what happens? He gets snubbed. So what reason do we have for him being snubbed, y'all? Can we think back to that episode, maybe a few of the suggestions I put out there? Is it because of his lack of defense? <sighs> Probably not. Is it because, I don't know, maybe he's not a popular player? We saw on the, the team right now, we have a Mr. Russell Westbrook, who, if you were following the Rockets at all, the last stretch of the season, in the regular season, he was doing terrible. Wasn't looking that great, not the Russell of old. But he's here, here on the team. But Mr. Bradley Bill, though, dropping 30 points a game, looking like at least an all-star, you know, at least one of the best players in the league, can't even get on a third team. And I wonder why that is. Could it be that he is in Washington, but Russell is in Houston? Could it be that the narrative is that Washington is the seller, not going anywhere, destined for the lotto, while Houston could potentially be a title contender, possible dark horse? I don't know, y'all. You got something, man. I, I don't know. 
You know what? what? I got I got it wrong. Unzip that face and prove that you were actually Bradley Bill's wife. I, I had it the reverse way. <laughs> Clearly, this is Bradley Bill's wife I'm talking to right now. Fess up. <laughs> Look, man, just because I dropped some knowledge, you try to discredit me, bro. Come on, now That's you know what truth. it is. It's right That's there the in truth. front of you. It's truth. right there in front of you. So, uh, I just enjoy that Daniel just gave himself, well, I don't know, a two-minute pat on the back there. But I actually, in this scenario, I do agree. I agreed with his original assertion that Bradley Bill should be on the All-NBA team. What I didn't agree with is who he chose to take off the team because we asked him who to take off, and he was – I'm, I'm, I'm just going to call Space Bay. He was scrambling a little bit, and I think he chose the wrong dude. Now, he did try to defend it, and I don't think he didn't believe that Dame Lillard couldn't be on the All-NBA team. But I think if he had to do it over, he would probably choose the guy who he's now set his sights on, which is one Mr. Russell Westbrook. And in that case, I wholeheartedly agree that Russell There, 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 there. Let me finish. I'm saying you, you're trying to be reasonable. But, but my, main, my, my main beef isn't really with you. It's one Mr. T. Huff over here. If you remember, T. Huff said, who is Bradley Bill? Just some 6'3 doppelganger shooting guard? There's a ton of dudes in the league. He has no business being on the All-NBA team. He's not 6'6". He's not 6'8 point guard. You look here, Come on sir. now. I let you run Bradley Beal PR for three minutes, and you will not interrupt me. <laughs> I've run Bradley Beal PR this whole year, brother. Oh. It's still in nothing. In closing, I do think that Bradley Beal, with the load that he was carrying uh, in Washington offensively, with the fact that Russell Westbrook, basically took the first half of the season off from the standpoint of playing well. He couldn't hit a three to save his life for the first half of the season. Now, he did have a pretty historic run towards the end of the season before things shut down, and then that kind of even wore off. Like, right before things shut down, he started kind of going back into form. Russell Westbrook just did not have an all-NBA caliber season, in my opinion. And then, especially compared to Brad Beal, who did a lot of the heavy lifting, and and his, his offensive numbers are restored. Now, would I like him to play a little more defense? Sure, of course. But does that mean that Russell Westbrook, who also doesn't play that much defense, should get on the lead, the team ahead of him? No, no, I, I do not think so. Um, and so in this scenario, I am actually agreeing with Daniel. <laughs> but it, it pains me because he's making it really hard to agree with him. Counter, baby. Book it. And now he's still in my catchphrases. This is outrage. Terrell, what do you have to say? <laughs> There's nothing, nothing you can say. Good, man. Like I said. If you I'm call not, this man another 6'3 shooting guard, I'm, I swear to God, I'm coming over here. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is I'm not taking Dame off the list. And if it's got to come down to Bradley and Dame, Bradley Bill can stay home with his wife. That's all I'm saying. Because I don't think he's his impact on the game is, is bigger than that of Dame. I just don't. Dame just... He's he he got he's different, man. And I don't see that quote unquote difference with Bradley Beal. I see a guy that's a great scorer. Okay. How about you play for something and let's see how you do in that situation? Oh, no. Oh, no. You're playing into his hands for What did I say? You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see what that dude does, you know, when something's on the line. You know? Yeah. I think he's just another dude that can score. Congratulations. Oh, no. Congratulations. But you ain't Dame, player. I do think Oh, my God. I do think you're wildly underestimated. Russell Westbrook? Yes. You can replace Russell Westbrook. If you want to tell me you want to take Russ off and put Bill on there, okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, okay. But but, but then again, I'm biased. I I just don't like Russell Westbrook. So, whatever. That's true. <laughs> First of all, y'all should already know my argument ain't never been nothing in this particular case, in this discussion about these players. No, I ain't going to – I already know. you. That's my guy. Dame is my guy. You ain't fit to take Dame off of nobody's list for Bradley Beal. My, nah, bro. My, my allies here are – I look around and I'm like, these are my allies, and it hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it hurts me. Nope. Uh, I do think you're underestimating, Terrell, how hard it is to score 30 buckets a night, 30 points a night in this. Uh, in the- no, I know how hard it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite aware, sir. No, I'm aware. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, 
the, I don't think you're going to get him off this position at all. Nope. But at least, at least he's willing to replace Russell Westbrook, so you got that going for you. At least that's something. Because really, he's going back to the whole Dame Litter thing, but the way the conversation started was you were saying Brad shouldn't have any reason to be upset about not being on the team at all. He should just be like, whatever, because he's on a crappy team and he's just another scorer. He shouldn't be upset for the reason, because let's be realistic, he was going in on this writer because this writer supposedly told him that he had him on his list. And it's like, if something happens from the time you had that conversation in the league or just as the season plays out, and then you find out you're not on the list because, I don't know, maybe he felt like somebody else outplayed you or was in a better position to be in that, uh, you know, on that list than you. The idea of getting mad at the guy, oh, you a snake, you told me this. And the, uh, okay, dude, I, I get you. But nah, that, that was my biggest issue with him. That's why I went in the way I went in. And I know I went extra on it. I'm sh- I know I went extra <laughs> on it. Because I still feel like you shouldn't be sitting around worried about what some writer told you early in the season. And maybe he didn't stick to his whatever word or, or, you know, whatever he told you early in the season when maybe he feels like things change later in the season. I don't really feel like you should be upset about something like that. You should just be out here balling. And I know it affects their money. I get that. I never see that kind of money. So I get that. But at the same time, it's like you talking about one guy. One guy that changed his mind about you. Nah, man. But it's obviously, obviously it wasn't one guy, though. He didn't make any of the teams. There's more than one guy. Okay. And he went out and balled. He got 30 points, about 30 points a game. But that one guy was not the reason. It's like his argument is like when I see guys that are wide receivers in the NFL that complain because they're wide receivers and there's so many of them, and they complain, well, I had 750, 800 catches in my career. Those are quote-unquote Hall of Fame numbers. But if you've got, you know, so many guys that have done it over decades of NFL football, you know, the idea of getting angry, like you're questioning why at your position where, especially now in the NBA, there's, who is it that said now you basically got perimeter players and, 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 and I guess, you know, Perimeter interior players, yeah, that's it. You got perimeter and you got interior players. There's no – we don't have any more shooting guards, point guards, small forward. It's all either inside or outside. And that right there is not working for him. That's not going in his favor because there's so many guys. And you have to – even if you were – and we were talking about Maria Taylor, you know, on, on, on the weekend at Tate. Even if you are the most studious person where you sit down and you break everything down to you, it's still the hardest thing in the world to pick a small handful of shooting guards in the NBA and say, that guy's got to be on the list. If that guy's not on your list, you out your damn mind. You, it's harder to do. It, it's easier if you want to tell me at the, at, the, at the center position, which is why Maria Taylor said she made such a big mistake in her situation. Okay, let's look at the uh, down, down low. You can barely name as many like guys on the block, like small power, real power forwards and real centers, you can hardly name a quarter of the ones you can name back when, in the 90s because that was back when the positions were specific and they were identified right. and you knew. And now it's like everyone's on the, on the perimeter, everybody's shooting threes. And it's like, so, I mean, it's easier to pick a guy like Jokic and say, hello, <laughs> you know. It, it, so that's why she felt it was such a glaring mistake when she picked AD, when she didn't put AD on the list, because it's like, he's a no-brainer, you know what I'm saying? Because there's not enough guys like him, you know, in the league right now. We don't have very many, but you got a lot of guys, uh, you know, that are really great scoring, quote-unquote, perimeter players, as we're referring to them now. Um, so I joke about him, you know, just kind of being that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're just another dude scoring 30. I joke about that, but what I'm really getting at is is that it's not easy for these guys to pick from the guys that are out here playing on the perimeter that are, at, you know, that are averaging between 25 and 30 a game. It's very difficult because you got a lot of guys doing that. And so, that, so that's really what I'm getting at. Maybe that would explain the reason why he does the campaigning behind the scenes. Maybe why he's so upset at Zach Lowe, because like you said – 
if there are, you know, so many people picking these elections for the NBA team, they probably don't have time to watch every single game. They're kind of going off of who they see on, you know, SportsCenter or whatever, who are the popular players and such for their teams. Maybe that's why you're so upset saying, like, like, I need you guys to confirm or kind of have my back on this because if I do what Terrell says and, you know, just be quiet and go out there and ball and drop 30 points a game, it still might not, not be enough for me to get noticed just because other people do drop high amounts of points. And even though I might be doing more and kind of carrying more of the load, because I don't have that type of, you know, popularity or have that type of exposure out there, these people are never going to really take notice of it. Like, they know my name, but they're not going to know kind of what I'm doing this year. Well, Maybe that's why you kind of have it against them. But how much of it is recency bias? How, how much is it is just the last thing I saw before I made out my list, you know, the last thing I saw was Dame Lillard and LeBron and, and somebody else. And, I mean, let's be clear. A lot of people outside of that D.C. area will completely forget about Bradley Beal. Like, if you, yeah. if, well, wait, wait. I, I, will, I want to push back a little bit on, on what's going on here. Just from the standpoint of, from my perspective, do I think that Bradley Beal had a better year than Russell Westbrook? Yes, yes, I do think that. Do I trust specifically a Zach Lowe to, who has seen more of the film and more of the game footage than I will ever account to tell me that – if he, he tallied up everything and he said, you know what, it's it's barely an edge out, but I don't think Bradley Bill should be on this team. I don't think he did enough this year. Do I trust a guy like Zach Lowe? Yes. Do I trust all the guys did that? No. And so I, I do see how a Russell Westbrook sneaks on for reasons that Daniel was saying, like notoriety. Maybe Houston is a, is a pretty big basketball town, so maybe that does play into a, into a factor there as well. But overall, do I think that Bradley Bill did enough to make to make – Stone Cold Lock make sure he should be on one of the NBA teams. I don't think he did enough this year specifically to, to be a Stone Cold Lock. Now, do I personally still think he should have been on the team? Yes. But that's just my personal opinion evaluating through players in a, in a vacuum that I don't have all the tape on. But if, if, if Zach Lowe was telling me that, that, that Bradley Beal's points weren't as significant as some of the other players' points in the NBA, if his defense was a problem to a significant degree and, and he has the metrics that back it up, I do trust that opinion to, to a certain degree. I'm not saying that, you know, Zach Lowe's infallible, but I do trust his basketball mind. So, I mean, I do think we're, we're somewhat splitting hairs and we're kind of talking about a little bit of two different things. Like, does Bradley Bill probably deserve to be on the NBA team, all-NBA team, in my opinion? Yes. Uh, so, I agree with Daniel from that point. I do kind of agree with Terrell's amended point that he didn't maybe do enough to separate himself from some other guys who are also worthy of being on the team so that it came down to where he didn't, he left it in the voters hands. Right. So to speak, like we say, you know, at a bad foul and you say, well, maybe that wasn't a foul, but you left it up to the ref. Right. And so you got that call. I do think there's a little bit of that going on in this situation where it's like, he left it up to the voters. He didn't quite do enough to separate himself from the rest of the pack. And the voters said, Hey, no, you're not on this team. And so I get, I do get his beef. I'm on the Terrell wagon where I'm like, hey, don't, don't, don't speak unless spoken. You may not. For real, I thought saying. I was like, Terrell, what are you, why are you talking to this man like this? <laughs> but I do, I, I, I do agree that you know, just because he's mad about it and he does have some good numbers doesn't mean I, I, I think the writers per, per se got it completely and utterly wrong. Like I, I, I think. Their position that Brad that Brad Beal is not an All NBA player this year is defensible. I guess is what I'm saying. Now, do I would I put him on there? Yes, but do I think there's an argument that he shouldn't be on the team? Yes, which is why I made it when me and Dan argued about it the first time. <laughs> so that's just I, I I guess I'm somewhat splitting the middle between you two a little bit, I, but I also don't think you two completely disagree. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a hundred percent. I yeah. All right, Dan, you can have the last word. Go ahead, say whatever you want. No, man, it's all good. We can keep keep going. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yes, on to the next one. We're going to stay on basketball for this one, too, guys. Um, So the next one comes to us from Black Gauss 11. Black Gauss 11 writes, greetings weekend to take. I wanted to ask if you guys were as surprised as I was over the MVP votes. Only 16 votes? 16? How does this happen? Does no one have any more respect for the team? What do you guys think? Thank you, Black Gauss 11. That, that Phil, 
Phil, is that you pretending to, to be black Gauskins? Because that's what they used to call me when we used to play basketball at the uh, local church. He used ah, to call me they called you black Gauskins? Why? I, I, I don't know, because I don't play nothing like Zodrius Hill Gauskins. Hey, man, Gauskins had a good game, though, bro. I mean, I would be mad if you be playing like that, that Gauskins. Yeah, now, uh, if, you're, so can, like if you have this game and, and you're, you're, you're under, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", it's not going to be the best game out there. But if you have Gauskins' game and you're 6'8", and up, you probably can make some money doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I neither have his game nor am I 6'8", so <laughs> I'm here talking uh, about and not making money in professional sports. Um, in terms of the king, uh, go ahead, Terrell. I'll let you speak first on this one. Yeah, um, I, I was a little <laughs> bit surprised at the fact that he even said anything about it because that's sort of the unspoken rule is that if you're – the best player in the NBA, mind you, um, it, a lot of people would argue that AD was the best player on that team this year. A lot of people would argue that. But just going on the premise that he's the best player in the NBA and it's sort of that Michael Jordan sort of story where it's like Michael Jordan probably should have won the MVP every single year, but it was one of those like, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer that Mike is the best guy in the league, but let's go ahead and just, you know, sprinkle some other guys here in, in, in and there. Um, I don't know that I was totally the thing with Ananakumpo. I think Ananakumpo kind of established so, himself as somebody that is surely in the argument as, as the best player in the league and the most valuable player. So I'm not angry about that. The number of votes, I think he tried to sort of shade it in a way where it's like, maybe I shouldn't have won it, but 16 votes? <gasps> the audacity. So I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and maybe I'm going to approach it and, and assume that he's talking about not necessarily that he didn't win it, but that he only got 16 votes and maybe he felt like it should have been closer. Um, so again, still taking into consideration that I feel like AD probably had a, you know, had a, a, a better season than he did overall. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm assuming that he meant the number of votes he got as opposed to not winning it was his issue. Yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I think that he was more upset with the distribution of the votes. Um, but for me, though, I'd be like, who cares? I mean, either you won it or you didn't. I don't really want to be a close second place to you or whatever. It's like, if I didn't get the MVP, I didn't get the MVP. Um, now, I do think he also kind of thought he might actually should have won the MVP. He didn't want to throw too much shade on Giannis or anything. That's why he kind of more attacked the actual vote tallies than actual who actually won it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the way he was playing for most of the, of the season, even though he was playing very well, and a lot of times he gets a, a little bit more credit because he's doing it at his, his, the current age that he is. It's pretty amazing what he's doing. Um, but in terms of him actually taking over the games and kind of just doing it night in and night out, no, he wasn't doing that. He, he was saving himself for the playoffs like he, he was supposed to. While Giannis, as the younger superstar, of course, was kind of giving his all every single game because he has the youth to do it, he has money to do it. That's what his game is predicated on as right now. He has to be involved in more plays defensively and offensively or LeBron was more focused on kind of being the point guard for the team and then kind of just doing his thing, chilling on, on, on defense. So if we look at it in totality for the whole season, what's going on, yeah, I think it was no-brainer that Giannis would, would get that just because he does so much for that team. Um, now, another criticism he had over the whole MVP thing was that it's kind of, I guess, vague for the criteria of who gets to decide and what they're deciding on. So he's kind of upset about that as well, but that, that's been that way for a while. They kind of do need to maybe hammer some stuff down or, or kind of say who they're going to have selecting this thing. Um, but if you look at it as who is the, the best player in the league, then, okay, you would probably say LeBron James because as he's playing right now in the playoffs, he's playing like the best player. But what, the way I see it, though, it's more like who's the most important player to their team and also who's been playing the best over the duration of the regular season because it's a regular season award. And for the regular season, Giannis was night in, night out, I think, doing more than LeBron was in terms of offense and defense Whereas LeBron, of course, was doing very well on offense with all the assists, but of course he was taking nights off on defense because he had that, that luxury of doing it and because he had to save his body for the long haul for the playoffs. So when you do that, then yes, you're going to sacrifice, you know, these awards in the regular season, hopefully for awards in the postseason. So for that type of trial, I'm sure you, you take that no matter what, but then to be outraged after the fact and like, well, you know what you were doing from the get-go, so why are you upset and why do you even care about the vote distribution? You weren't going for the MVP. 
even though you're a very talented player, you're more worth saving yourself to get ready for hopefully a finals MVP or just a, maybe just a final championship. Yeah, I, I got to say, usually I kind of vibe with some of the criticisms LeBron has at the media and things of that nature. But I, I, I just don't get this one at all. I, I don't understand his point, really, to be to be frank. Like, I don't – in a perfect world, I don't know that he deserved to get one vote for – for first place vote, I should say, for MVP. He's not the MVP of the regular season for the 2019-2020 season. That's just that's just it. Like, it's, it's no matter what – the, the criteria is vague, but no matter what the criteria is, I don't understand the case for LeBron James. Is he the best player on the team with the least amount of talent? No, he's not. He has AD, who is also arguably the best player on the Lakers. Is he the best player on the best team? No, he is not. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best te- player on the best rec- team with the best record in the league. Um, did he did he make a team overachieve by himself with a limited roster? No. If anything, Tacupo did that. Is he the best all around player in the NBA? No. Giannis Antetokounmpo is. I don't. However, I slice the MVP debate: best player, most important player, best player on best team. Giannis Antetokounmpo is all of those. The answer to all of those questions in the regular season. So I I don't understand his beef. Maybe this is a residual beef from other awards that actually do make more sense, like when Derrick Rose kind of stole his MVP because everyone was kind of mad at LeBron. Not to say that Derrick Rose didn't have some consideration for it, but LeBron was the best player that year. That's just what it is. He was the best player for about a seven-year period. He probably should have the MVP award. But I don't think this is the case like he's trying to make it seem where it's like a Jordan fatigue thing. There was a little bit of Jordan fatigue, although some of those times I do think that, like I think Charles Barkley was the MVP of the, of the NBA in 1993. Now, did Jordan end up squashing that man in the playoffs? Yeah, but Charles Barkley was the best player in the regular season. Sometimes the best player in the regular season isn't always the best player in basketball. But even so, I don't think that LeBron James is currently the best player in basketball. I think he's doing great things for his age. I think he is among the top five players in basketball, but I still think that Giannis Antetokounmpo, despite getting bounced in the playoffs, is the best player in the NBA. I think he needs a little more help. I think LeBron has that help because he has AD. I I just, I don't see what argument he's making because no matter how I slice, dissect the argument, LeBron James isn't the answer to the question of who is the 2019-2020 NBA regular season MVP. He's just not. And I just, I guess props to him for believing in himself and having that chip on his shoulder. I do think he tries to do some of that Jordan stuff where he creates something out of nothing, like he did with the, they didn't believe I could get it done in the West, but now I'm here getting it done in the West. I think he's doing yep. a little bit of that, and that's his prerogative, but I don't have to think it's logical, and I don't. I don't think his gripe is logical, and I think he knows that. And also, just speaking on the MVP, the league is looking to maybe announce that a lot earlier, maybe right after the regular season is over or something, because it's so weird they do it, you know, mid-playoff. Yeah. Or maybe even the MVP that wins isn't even in the playoffs anymore or something. So people are like, oh, how'd they win? You know, because, for example, LeBron's playing great right now. So it's like, how come he didn't get more votes? Because he's playing like, like crazy right now. But had it been at the end of the regular season, it might have made more sense and had a little less, you know, uproar or whatever just because it's like yeah he's playing good near the end of the season but Giannis was still Giannis and still killing it at the end of the season so it's always strange that they kind of have it so late when they announce it I'm sure they can go ahead and like hey get these votes in let's get this thing done right when the season ends announce that and then enter the playoffs or something like kind of the NFL does but uh, it is strange yeah like they've been able to get away with this historically um sometimes they've messed up <laughs> like like, uh, Dirk got bounced in the first round, and he was the MVP in 2007. That one kind of hurt. Even a David Robinson got the MVP in 94, and then Hakeem put that work in on him, so that didn't look as good as it could have. So, But by and mm-hmm. large, if you're the regular season MVP in the NBA, you're probably the best player in basketball, and so you're going to be playing into June normally when we have normal seasons. And so it doesn't usually affect that look, but for sometimes it does, and in this case it did because Giannis got bounced so early. Uh, under strange circumstances but yeah so I agree with you on that standpoint but at the same time like it doesn't change what the award is and I'm not saying that's what you're saying or anything like that but like it's a regular season MVP award and so whether LeBron's playing in the playoffs is, is moot it's not they, we voted already but yeah they, the NBA could do a better job and clean it up of course usually they have the NBA honors at the end of the complete season which I actually think kind of makes it look worse sometimes <laughs> like when Russell yeah. <laughs> 
or even when James had won the MVP and they got bounced early and then they got the MVP award after the season, it, it doesn't always look great. <laughs> so I do see what you're saying there. <laughs> Y'all good on that? Good. Yeah, I think uh, I think we talked out. Yeah, yeah, I feel good. I feel good about what right. So we're going to switch it up just a little bit, guys. Talk a little bit of baseball. Something a little, little new territory for us. Baseball. So this question comes to us from um, Only Aaron Can Judge Me. So Only Aaron Can Judge Me writes, Hey, fellas, I want to talk a little baseball with you guys. After our rocky regular season, thanks to COVID, I'm looking forward to the playoffs starting, especially with this whole bubble thing for added protection. But my boy Aaron doesn't seem enthused. What do y'all think? Is he being selfish or does he have a point? Thank you, Only Aaron Can Judge Me. Well, maybe only Aaron will judge you. Only Aaron is judging this bubble. And I don't understand why he doesn't want to be safe and protected. He's like, well, you know, his argument was that, you know, it, it doesn't help the teams that were good in the regular season. It's like, bro, you play 60 games, man. <laughs> like, chill. Chill. <laughs> you need to be respected for your 60-game work of baseball accomplishment. Like, yeah, in a perfect world, the best team would get a, an added advantage, but these is not a, this isn't a perfect world, right? <laughs> like things have to be sacrificed so that we can get this done safely. And I think being mad that you don't get to boom home runs in the wind tunnel at New York, at the New York uh, Yankee Stadium, which is the real this is the real beef. He wants to be at home where he can hit that wind tunnel and, and get seventy home runs in the in the postseason, but he's not going to be able to do that. And I'm sorry, Aaron Judge, but that's just what it is. Like, your safety trumps you being able to have an advantage in the playoffs. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I had the, the same thought on that, too. I mean, had this been, like you said, any other year, then, yeah, I was like, okay, that, that's true. You know, y'all worked hard for that. For that top seed, you get rewarded for it. But obviously, these are, you know, unique times. So, we're going to have unique situations working out, unique solutions. Um, I mean, they're trying to do something to kind of accommodate, though. I think for the uh, the wild card, they still have the um, home field advantage. And then after that, it's neutral sites going forward. Um, so at least for the very beginning, at least they have some type of advantage initially. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, though, I mean, you saw what COVID did during the regular season. You saw how it kind of structured so many games and kind of almost derailed the entire season. So would you want that to happen when the playoffs start? Like, no, of course not. So whatever you can do to get the games played, that's what you should be kind of rooting for because it's like I saw what happened to these different teams, people being in and out. Um, if I want to win a championship, I want probably my whole roster to be there with me. So if I can ensure that, then yeah. I mean, regards of home field advantage or not, if you think you have the better team on a neutral side, think like, all right, well, we had the better squad, squad there and play and show that we're the better team just because, you know, we have more talent than y'all. So I think really in this situation, it really shouldn't be too big of an issue if you are the top seed because it's like, well, everybody's doing it right now. This is a different time this year. And if we do think we're as good a team as we think we are, then we should be able to still on a neutral field, we still should be able to go out there and perform because now the other team's going to have an advantage either because they're not going to be at home at all. So at this point, it's like you know, if everything's equal, then talent should win out. Yeah. You know, this is interesting because – I, I kind of feel like he's telling on his game. It's like you already have enough, you know, people that are not fan, not your fan of, uh, you know, fan of, of your team. Oh, well, they've got this advantage because look where they play. Uh, you know, uh, you, we always talk about that short porch in New York and, and, you know, just all those little things that, you know, you, how many home runs did we see? off that little area off to the off to right field and how many guys did we talk about yeah my man's probably would have had like 100 less home runs if he didn't have that little short you know field that you know that little short porch he was hitting off of over there so I mean to me it feels like he's telling on his game and it's kind of like dude look at you like you should be able to hit a home run out of any park in all of MLB so it shouldn't be any question about, well, I'd rather be at home because I'd like, what, what advantage? I'm sorry, dude. I, yeah, you know where all the little spots are and that's cool. But when it all comes down to it, if you're going to win, you're going to win. That's like saying that ain't nobody ever won a series on somebody else's home field. Like what kind of nonsense did we see with the Nationals and, 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 the, and, the, um, and the Astros in the, in the World Series? Like what was it like? All the, 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 the away teams won all the games and the other teams. Like, we saw nonsense with that. Why? Because that's just something else that brings 
you know, brings excitement to this process. So the idea that, oh, well, it's not fair that we don't get to play. No, nah, dude, you're playing. You want to have as many games as possible. You want to name a champ. And whatever you got to do to get to that point, you should be willing to do it. And you shouldn't be complaining about something as stupid as not being able to play on your home field. So, nah, bro, I'm not with it. That's 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 dumb. And like I said, stop stop complaining about something because you should feel confident enough that you can win anywhere. Um, because this is different. This isn't it isn't like you earned home field and then you lost it somehow in some sort of weird way because COVID somehow took it away, like after the fact. Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> like that's not you, what happened. You, you right? knew the rules when we came in here. Right. So like, exactly. <laughs> you so, know what this was. Yeah. Don't don't act like don't act like it was one way and then COVID changed it because no, dude. Everybody knew how this was gonna work out. So I, I'm not even feeling what this dude talking about, man. Nah. And then like Terrell brought up, I don't think that there's a sport besides hockey that home field matters less. Than in, in baseball because if you yeah. can match and you got pitching, you can match and you got pitching, and that travels. And so, like, home field advantage is somewhat in obviously, people want to be in front of their fans and it, it does get you hyped and all that kind of stuff. But over the long haul, it, the best team in baseball generally, or the team that not even the best team, but the team that gets hot, and that's going to be regardless of what field you're on. If you get hot, you get hot, that's just right. what it is. And so, like, that besides the COVID and already knowing what it is, it, it was. Such a weird, such a weird take, man. And say they did oblige this man, and like they were like, "All right, you can have home field." And then the Yankees all got COVID. Now he's sitting there looking like Boo Boo the Fool because his team's gone because he wanted to have home field advantage, but now he ain't got no team. So how would he feel in that scenario? Like, would he, like you said, D, would he rather have his whole squad for the playoffs, or does he want to have the home field advantage? Which one's more important to? Oblige him. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, also, I think another aspect to it that he didn't really touch on might be not being able to be around like your friends and family because they're going to be in the bubble now. Yeah. Um, because they actually have protocol set up to where to be able to be have your family into the bubble, they have to first quarantine in a hotel for seven days straight, and then they can go into the bubble. Yeah. But as you know, we currently do have school going on, so it doesn't really work out for a lot of people in terms of taking kids away from school for seven straight days and then going to the bubble. So a lot of players are unfortunately not able to are not going to be able to have their their family with them in the bubble for the duration of the playoffs. So that might be another driving factor as well. He didn't touch on that, um, but that could be something else. I can see that kind of in the back of his mind, like, oh well, you know, before we've been able to be in hotels and still see some people because we're in, in New York and everything, but now it could be away from everybody. So that kind of sucks, and it does. But again, these are not normal times, so we have to do not normal things just for this year, and hopefully we can get back to normal um, come next season. Yeah, I get making a sacrifice, and that does. It's unfortunate that they have to make that sacrifice. It really is, and I feel for for them. But from a, it sounds from a more baseball standpoint, which is what he seemed to be attacking you from. I just, I can't vibe with that argument. Now, if he had just been no. like, if he had just been like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna miss my family, and I'm not sure if it's gonna suck. Like, I, I get that human level, and I would definitely sympathize with that. But that's not what he said. He seemed like he wants a a baseball advantage, and I'm like, bro, you knew you weren't gonna have a baseball advantage, right. but you want all these. So maybe you should have not won as many games if that's what you said. <laughs> Pick some games off and chilling. <laughs> what LeBron mode? <laughs> Wait, that's called looping the joke, Daniel. I see what you did there. Good work. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> All right, guys. So we do have one more here, taking us on back to basketball. So this one comes from I like my athletes husky. I like my athletes husky. They write, "Hello, love the show, and I love me some women's hoops." Could you spend a little time talking about the great work Maya Moore is doing and also the clapback that the WNBA had for the Deanna Taylor case? Thank you. Do you want to you start us off on this one? Or? Yeah, I can start off on this one. Um, so first off, for, for Maya Moore, um, you know, if you're, if you're not aware, she actually is sitting this season out um, because she actually wanted to focus more of her energy and her time on for social justice. Um, mainly for this one, it actually was pretty close to her, uh, for one, Mr. Jonathan Irons. So for his story, of course, he was incarcerated, I believe at the age of 16. Um, he actually was falsely incarcerated, uh, wrongly incarcerated, I should say. And then just recently they actually were able to get that overturned. He was released. And my Marcy had a lot to do with that in terms of advocating for him. Um, you know, helping him financially in terms of getting, uh, attorneys in to help him out and such. And actually recently they ended up getting, actually ended up getting married, which is actually pretty amazing. 
Um, but still, she they asked her, you know, now that you know you've done that, you got him out, you got married to him now. You know, what are your plans going forward? You're going to go back to the league, you know, because if you remember Meyer Moore, she's a very good player, dominant player. Um, she's still uncommit, uncommittal though. She really wants to focus still on the work she's doing in terms of social justice, in terms of helping people. Um, wrongly convicted. She said they actually are quite a few cases that her and actual and actually Jonathan are currently working on for different people. Um, so she's kind of just focused on that aspect as of right now, and she does have the uh, basketball on the back burner. Now, in terms of the WNBA, you know, what do we all say? You know, the WNBA has always been, you know, heads and tails above the rest of the rest of the sports leagues in terms of the NBA, NFL, pretty much all the leagues out there. Um, in terms of their awareness, in terms of their stances, in terms of their actions uh, for social justice. Yeah. So for this case, um, if you had saw on the news, you know, there was a ruling in the settlement case for the wrongful death for Breonna Taylor. Um, I want to say the family got awarded. I don't know the exact amount. What is it like, like it 12, 12 million, something 12 like that? Million, around there. Yeah. 12 million taxpayer dollars. 12. Yeah. So, you know, they, of course, once that got announced, you know, they had announced that all over the news, like, oh, you know, got some justice for her. We got, got the, the family paid. You're good to go. Uh, then it was like, ah, not so bad. No. They're like, yeah, you know, it was a wrongful death. Her family should be compensated for that, but that isn't the pieces at all is what they were saying. They were saying that there won't be any justice truly served until we arrest the murderers of Breonna Taylor. They said that straight up. Multiple players were quoted as saying that. Uh, I think as a league, it kind of came out with just saying this is our stance on it, that, you know, we're happy for them that they won the settlement, but the work is not done, not nearly done, just because we still haven't, you know, arrested the murderers and we won't be satisfied, you know, we won't be, you know, dismayed or anything like that, you know, we won't be just okay with getting some money. No, we actually want to have justice done and money, you can't just buy justice, you have to go out there and get justice, so... I think you give kudos to both the WNBA and, of course, Meyer Moore for the continued work and activism thus far for this year. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about Meyer Moore? I, like you said, one of the best hoopers in the game, uh, a dominant player, uh, set, was setting up a dynastical run with the Minnesota Lynx, and she decides to sacrifice all that to, A, get someone she cared about out of jail because she did know him for a long time. She, she's known him uh, since they were teenagers. But then to also end up actually falling in love with that person and get married and then continue that work with him, um, that's something pretty special. Um, that's something you don't see a lot of players, athletes, people in general. A lot of people aren't willing to sacrifice their job to do this work. Um, it's, it's very hard work. It's very laborious work. And it's, it's, it's painful work. Um, so to see them kind of come together over that and then want to continue doing it, you can't say enough about Maya Moore. And then for the WNBA on Breonna Taylor, like a lot of people think once you get money, the, the work is done or there's been justice has been served. And that's just not the case. If they're, if they, they can wrong, if they can put a price tag on human life and then keep wrongfully killing people and just pay out settlements, that's not, that's not justice. That's not what you want. And that, that there's no amount of money that will put Breonna Taylor back on this earth. And so for the WNBA to continue that work and to understand that just because money has been paid out doesn't mean justice has been served is both important and, as you said, Daniel, in keeping with their values and how they always lead from the front on this stuff as a sports league, as women in this country. Um, black women do so much for this country, and I say that on episode, episode and I just want to continue to say because it it's true. Um, it's why something like Marcus Pouncey of the Steelers kind of going the opposite way on that because there was a settlement kind of seeming to – suggest that there's no more to be there's no more work to be done they did uh you know that that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way that's his prerogative but it still rubbed me a little bit the wrong way uh be, because there's a settlement he didn't want to wear the name of the person on the back of his his helmet and seemed to suggest that that was the reason why and i just couldn't vibe with that because again the work is not done if we're not bringing people who are wrongfully killing people especially authority figures wrongfully killing people. If we're not bringing those people to justice and the work is not done yet. And so um, I, I'm glad the WNBA was very public in this stance and you would expect nothing less from them. And we have to, we have to raise our game up uh, and, and, and meet these, these women because they're meeting the moment and, and we need to, we need to be on that same level with them. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Um, I, you know, I, I had to kind of read up cause I knew who Meyer Moore was, but when I, saw the story about the fact that they had, you know, they had been married. And, and then when I read up more on it and realized they had known each other for a really long time, 
Um, you know, initially my first thought process was, yeah, they probably got pretty close throughout this process because she had been working so hard for so long. But when you start getting some of that backstory and realizing why um, this particular gentleman was was uh, of interest to her, uh, then I kind of got more background on it. I think that whole situation is fantastic uh, because sometimes when you have these situations where you have people that are wrongfully convicted of, of a crime and you know, male or female and they go to jail, when they come out, you know, one of the hardest things for them is a semblance of normalcy to their lives. Many of them come out to, yeah, you know, maybe mom and dad or maybe, you know, sister and brother or something, but many of them come out and there is, there is no like, you know, there, there's no soulmate. There's no, you know, they're just coming out and they're trying to get acclimated to being out in the world again when they've spent 10, 12, 15 years behind bars. So um, for him to, you know, get out, through all her efforts, efforts, and then the two of them be together, that's that could be a level of stability that a lot of people that are in that position don't get when they when they leave prison after being there wrongfully for so long. So I really hope that works out because um, you know he he's gonna have somebody you know that was already in his corner and they're gonna continue to be in his corner going forward, and she's gonna continue to do this work. So I, I think that's even a better part of it. As far as the WNBA, um, I love it. Um, we, the narrative for the last four years, um, has been about what black women have been doing in light of everything that's been going on in the country over the last four years. Um, what black women have been doing, and I understand that there are, you know, obviously there are white players in the WNBA, but let's be realistic here. The vast majority of black players and what black women have been doing, this just solidifies what we've already known for a very long time now, which is that you know, black women are essentially saving our asses and they're putting themselves on the line and their careers on the line in order to do it. And so the WNBA saying, oh, that's nice, you know, but let's be realistic here. These, no cop is going to suffer over this. And, and, and I, suffer is probably a bad word to use. No cop is going to pay the cost over this, in my opinion, at least not yet, because as I said earlier, and I was kind of as a sidebar, but I kind of said $12 million worth of taxpayer money, but that's what that money is. Taxpayers are paying for that. Taxpayers, because remember, we can't defund police because, well, that's ridiculous. They won't be around if we have to need, if we need them, which is a ridiculous argument, but that's the one that they've chosen to run with. Um, the idea that we're supposed to sit here and just be okay with some horrific things like what we saw happen with Breonna Taylor. We're supposed to be okay with that because, well, it's a hard job and here we are. So you know what? That everything was supposedly procedure because it was a no-knock warrant. All these things are awful and ridiculous and it's being funded by taxpayers. And in that case, it was a $12 million lump sum funding by the taxpayers for these guys to not have been arrested um, I, you know, I think one guy got fired, um, you know, and he'll probably be able to go to next county over and work in another police station. So the bottom line is all the things that need to happen have not happened. I, I, you know, it's interesting because everything we've learned about this case with Breonna Taylor and some of these other cases, I honestly think her family probably would have been happier had they literally arrested and had these cops on trial right now as we speak. And I know it sounds funny because again, supposedly they got $12 million, but I really think there probably would have been a pretty good level of satisfaction if they just said, no, these guys were wrong. We're going to, we're going to put them in jail. We're going to, we're going to try them. We're going to do what everything you do when, when people murder other people. Um, I think they actually probably would have been pretty satisfied with that just from what I've heard uh, from interviews and people that, you know, have been, you know, that have spoken with the family. So, um, yeah, man, um, the WNBA leading the way again. I really hope that this branches off into just more and more and more. Um, and I, and another thing I hope is that this ups the profile of the WNBA to a point where, you know, it's, it, it's, people can stop treating it as sort of like this thing that the, that the NBA funds that's just sort of like a pet project because I really do feel like a lot of people look at the WNBA like some sort of pet project that the, that the NBA pays for just to kind of appease a particular party when I really don't feel like that's what they are. Um, I feel like there's a, a high level of basketball being played and a lot of people like my daughter don't really realize like just how much value they bring to the game. 
and in this case to society. So um, I'm all for it, man. I think it's fantastic. And I really do hope that, that something great comes out of it. Yeah, and I do, I do want to clean up uh, the, the Steelers player that Marcus, Marquise Pouncey didn't want to the, – the person that Marquise Pouncey didn't want to wear the, his name on the back of his helmet uh, to honor uh, was Antoine Rose. Um, and so uh, he was shot in the back by police um, as they seemingly profiled him for a, a, a theft in the area. Um, and he was wrong, wrongfully killed, but his family did reach a settlement. And I think that turned Pouncey off, uh, along with some of the circumstances around the case, I think that turned him off from wanting to uh, wear the, his name on the back of his, his helmet. Yeah, he said he read up on it and he got some more background on it, basically. It seems to me he's very embedded in the uh, police community, uh, which is important. I think that work is also important of trying to bridge the gap and trying to understand the police force and having them try to understand us because, you know, Marquis Pouncey is a black man. But I do think uh, from an outsider's perspective, I don't have all the information that he has. Uh, it does appear that it caught his judgment on this issue. And I was just happy to see the WNBA kind of have the opposite, uh, the opposite stance on that because getting paid – for someone's death in your family is not is not justice. While it, I'm sure it, it helps and it, it it feels good to have that money, not necessarily feels good to be paid for someone's death, but it, it's helpful to have that money. It is not justice, and it 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 doesn't sue someone who knows that their person's killer is still out there. Exactly, like, that's the bottom line. Like they know that, and the, and as Durant pointed out, they know that they can get work elsewhere and potentially kill again. And so that's 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 not peace of mind. Yeah, I mean, what the thing is, because settlements aren't something that are brand new. It's not outlandish to get a settlement when there is an issue caused, you know, harm caused to you by a uh, government official or anything of that nature. Usually, like, say, for example, um, maybe you're, you're going down the street and, like, a bus hits you or something. You're probably going to get money for that, and most likely the bus driver is going to lose his job. Yeah. Um, another example, say if a, a doctor gets sued for malpractice or something, yeah, you're going to get money for that. But also the doctor is usually going to lose their license. They can't practice anymore. So the reason why we keep saying that the settlement isn't enough, the settlement, you know, isn't just the settlement, there's more work to be done. It's because in this scenario, and a lot of times when it comes to stuff that involves police officers, if there is a settlement, that's about it. You get paid out and then they go back to work or they pay it out and they have to leave that apartment and go somewhere else. They still pretty much are exactly the same they were, you know, the day when they did whatever they did. You know, they have their same livelihood. They're able to go to work every day. Um, they haven't really been inconvenienced by going to trial or anything. They kind of are just out there working, maybe took some pay time off, and then came back to start working again. So that's why in these situations, because it's so unique the way that they have things set up for police officers in this country, which is why we need more accountability than just saying, okay, well, we're going to cut you a check, and, you know, and you should be good, right? It's like, no, definitely not. Because really, there's no recourse. So there's no onus on them to really change anything aside from, you know, City Hall saying like, oh, we spent a lot of money on settlements lately. Let's go ahead and calm down some stuff. But that's not going to have any type of sweeping changes within the entire department or the officers in there. If it's like, oh, well, make sure you, you know, do something like this or don't get caught because it costs a lot of money. It's like, no. If you see that your colleague did something and now he's in prison, like actual prison, I think you're going to shape up and change something or get out and do something else because you see that there's an actual recourse for acting a certain way and not, you know, following the guidelines or following what you're actually getting paid to do. And that's what people are really pushing for, really want, is to have that recourse so officers know, the community knows that, hey, if something goes wrong, they're going to be punished. And because they're being punished, then it kind of lets us know that, okay, well, most people, when there's a punishment involved, are going to try to change that behavior, change that habit, because most people don't want to end up in prison, right? So, yeah, where where are the incentives? That's something we say on the show yeah. a lot. If you incentivize bad behavior, then bad behavior will happen. If you incentivize good behavior, then generally good behavior will happen. Right. Um, and so uh, the WNBA is out here trying to change the incentives, and appreciate all the work that they do on that. Uh, so that that was it, Hundy. Huh, that was the last question. Yeah. Please, uh, yeah, yes, sir. Thank y'all once again for the questions, y'all. Well, I hope my boy uh, Black Alskis and uh, and only Aaron can judge me. I hope those two those those are my favorite of the day. Those, 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 those are your buddies. buddies. <laughs> uh, only Aaron can judge me, not God. <laughs> and so, uh, anything else you guys want to say before we get on out of here? Said what I said. 
Well, all right. Then. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if y'all been watching it, you know, with the um, well, especially for today, but all these these injuries and stuff with the NFL players and everything. I don't know if you've also seen like a lot of these players are opting out from college football. Have y'all been following that at all? Like a yeah. lot of like actually like stars and stars are like opting out from the entire season. A lot of times to prep for the draft and everything. I think we're going to start seeing more and more of that because it kind of seems that because a lot of these in pros in college football, you haven't had any type of like off season or preseason and such that guys are getting hurt a lot easier. So they're probably seeing like, Hey, if these pro guys are getting hurt and you know, and they get paid to do it, then maybe we should also sit out and, you know, because we don't get paid to do it, but if we get hurt, it might hurt or hurt us getting paid in the future. And the reason why I bring it up is because of course on these, these boards about these teams, a lot of fans are just saying like, Oh, Y'all are traitors. Y'all shouldn't have scholarships. You know, they should be able to pull your scholarship for, for not going out there and playing. Um, you're not going to get drafted because the NFL doesn't want people who are quitters. So you should come back, play another year, up your draft breaking, and then go up to league after you played and try to win the championship or whatever. And I'm just like, y'all, if they played, got hurt, couldn't play football anymore, all y'all would have for them is like, oh, I'm sorry that y'all, that you got hurt. You know, you're a good, you're a good ag. Thanks for playing. And that's it. That's the only recourse that us as fans have for these for these kids. But for some reason, we get on like, oh, you're making a terrible decision. You're not loyal to our school, and you should play and give your heart to the school and then go make the millions. But if something happens and we're not going to go ahead and help them and pay them money or anything, it's like, no. They just want them to entertain us and to, you know, be good old college boys and play for the love of the game, and that's it. But these kids are starting to get smart, be getting more business savvy, saying like, yo, why am I putting my body on the line when I have a chance to opt out? possibly get drafted um, right now. If you opt out, you can still come back next year. No added year onto your, your, your clock or anything. So it just makes sense for them to do it. But I just, you know, like a lot of outrage from a lot of fans, a lot of a fans about a lot of people opting out. And I'm like, y'all just don't get it. Or y'all are just selfish because whatever, because maybe if we can find my privileged position, who knows what it is, but it's crazy. Uh, this is why, I mean, honestly, this is why I didn't want college football to come back. Cause a, uh, the kind of college football fan that exists in this country, by and large, is kind of not the person that I want to be around, for the, per se. But I just didn't think the fans deserve it. Honestly, I, I didn't. And besides that, I just think it. I just think the uh, adults in the situation failed these kids tremendously. It's creating a, a bit of an uneven playing field for the standpoint of everyone's having to make decisions when they, we could have just all made one decision and shut it down and moved it back to spring, if not canceled entirely and went about our business instead. Now these kids are having to make these these life-altering decisions on what they're going to do when they shouldn't be in this position. The adults should have made this decision, but the adults abdicated their responsibility, and it, it frustrates me. It really does. It, it does frustrate me. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get off my chest. I want to do a little pinching there. That's all it that is. Yeah, <laughs> I've been I, for a few days. <laughs> I, I, I took the opportunity to also, Ben, because I just I strongly disagree. <laughs> I strongly disagree. I, I put it on Facebook. I don't think I'll be watching college football, and I'm not sure if I'll – I don't know when I'll return because I just don't want to support this institution any longer. Like, it's – it's what they did was not okay for to these kids. Um, so, anyway, I won't, I won't continue to ride the soapbox that I got on only because Daniel opened up the subject. <laughs> With that being said, uh, Daniel, go ahead and say goodbye to the people, my man. Love you. I'll catch you next time. Terrell Huff, say goodnight, my friend. Peace out. Support the arts because, you know, we are the arts. For those, for those two gentlemen, I am your man, D.R. Lewis. The third. We'll fix it in post. Don't do anything. <laughs> oh, that's me. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Just kidding. Do everything we wouldn't do, especially if it's pertaining to uh, culture. Word. <laughs>